RPN, the Roddenberry Podcast Network. This episode of Priority One is brought to you by GamePrint. We thank them and our patrons for their support of Priority One Podcast. Hello, Captains. You're listening to episode 422 of Priority One, a Roddenberry Star Trek podcast. Your weekly report from the Star Trek multiverse. Recorded live on Tuesday, July 16th, 2019. And available for download or streaming on Friday, July 19th at PriorityOnePodcast.com. I'm Elijah. I'm Kat. And I'm Anthony. All right, Kat, why don't you tell us what we've got coming up this week? This week, we're checking out Star Trek Picard's key art announcement. Then, LeVar Burton is betting on Geordi's return, the Westmores continue to trek, and David Mack gets his dream job. In Star Trek Online and gaming news, you can now adopt your favorite furry in-game friend, and Anthony reviews the latest Star Trek tabletop game, Conflict in the Neutral Zone. Then, Star Trek Online's community manager, Ambassador Kale, stops by to tease about some of the happenings going on in just three weeks' time at the Star Trek Las Vegas convention. Later, Dr. Robert Hurt provides this month's astrometrics report. Of course, as always, before we wrap up the show, we'll open hailing frequencies for your incoming messages. And if you haven't thought to, we encourage you to open hailing frequencies. Reach out to us. We're on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash priority one podcast. We're on Twitter and Instagram at priority one pod. You can even send us an email via incoming at priority one podcast.com. Captains, this time of year is insane for us here at Priority One Podcast. We are gearing up for a spectacular Star Trek Las Vegas convention. And a lot of that would not be possible without the support of our patrons. Listeners like you who offer a financial contribution from month to month to make sure that we can continue to provide you the quality content you've come to expect every week here on Priority One Podcast. With their help, we can make sure that we have up-to-date digital tools in addition to equipment that we'll be using at conventions like STLV and New York Comic Con coming up in October. For those of you that may not be aware, Patreon is a way for you to offer a financial contribution to content creators like podcasters such as ourselves to support their work. Now our tiers start as little as $1 a month and up. And for each tier, we provide a very special gift for your contributions. For instance, at $5, you can join us in a group chat exclusive to our patrons, where we can have conversations about Star Trek, Star Trek Online, or any of the major headlines that happen during the week for science fiction, science, and generally anything else. Offering a financial contribution may not be possible, and we totally understand. The next best method of supporting the show is by sharing Priority One podcast with your friends. When you start listening to our episodes, please share it. 
Most podcast apps make it easy to share an episode on social media, but you can also just follow us on our social media channels like Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, then share, retweet, or repost. And again, if you are interested in learning more about how to become a financial contributor to Priority One Podcast, just visit us over at patreon.com forward slash priority one. Now let's check out all the latest news from the Star Trek multiverse. I don't know. Then let's check it out. The Star Trek Picard team gave us a nice surprise before San Diego Comic-Con and Star Trek Las Vegas. Star Trek Picard's key art. On July 10th, the art was dropped by both Sir Patrick Stewart and Star Trek's social media outlets. It features the contemplative former captain in a long coat and high boots. His back is to the audience, though his profile is visible. He is not overlooking the beautiful vineyard and explosive sky that stands in the distance or the wine barrels nearer, but rather he is looking down, away, but the good captain is not alone. With him sits a dog. <laughs> His assumedly loyal companion is wearing a collar sporting a Starfleet Delta, which some Kidai fans noticed looks to have, quote, one on it, as in number one. Later, Star Trek's Twitter account added an animated gif that pans across the landscape, landing on the final piece of static art. For a link to the Star Trek Picard key art and animated gif, check out our show notes. So what do you guys think of the new number one? Yay! Isn't that the dog he rescued? Looks like similar. It could very well be because Patrick Stewart is very much a dog lover, right? If if you follow him on Instagram, he has several rescues and he'll foster dogs for a while and he's very much a dog lover. So it could very well be a dog that he has fostered or adopted. That would be amazing. And yeah, I love his videos to show the dogs that he's rescued is, aw, gets to your heart. Yeah, I, you know, I thought this this artwork was really cool. It definitely is giving us a much different feeling than anything we've seen Picard do in the past. And yeah, I think what's that's he just hanging out at the vineyard. Like, I guess his brother passed away, or did he inherit? What's going on? Boy, we need to know. <laughs> I know. Yeah, remember his brother, his brother and Robert and the, his nephew Renee, died in the fire. Yeah. They died Renee. in the fire. Yeah, Where this from Generations. In, see, in okay, Generations. see, I always fall asleep in that movie. Apparently, I missed a bunch. Yeah, I think this does raise a lot of questions and a lot of good questions. I'm interested to see how fans react to this versus how they reacted to Discovery, because I think there's going to be a lot of big changes in store for us with this Picard story, and it'll be interesting to see how we all feel about it. In regards to the new number one, I think it's cool. I think it definitely maybe shows us that he's sort of taken up to being alone since whatever this mysterious event that's happened in the past, you know, since then, which I, which we all assume is the destruction of Romulus and, you know, trying to rescue the Romulan people. So, yeah, I'm excited. I think it looks beautiful and, and feels different and I uh, can't wait. And you see, that's very important, right? The feel of this key art, because the Hollywood Reporter defines the term key art as, quote, the singular iconographic image that is the foundation upon which a movie's marketing campaign is built, end quote. So obviously this, the tones, the colors, his outfit, his contemplative 
stance is setting a tone for what the show could potentially be. But then again, I don't have very much faith in the marketing machine that promotes Star Trek on television. So for all we know, the show's going to come out and it's going to be like Tron or something. <laughs> oh, no. no, I think I think what we're seeing is a lot of twilight, you know, a lot of a lot of, you know, deep reds, the sky changing colors, and I think that we're seeing the twilight of of Jean-Luc Picard and his life and and I think that's what we're going to get. And I think I think they're doing a good job with this. I think they've learned their lesson and they're going in the right direction. I never thought of that. <laughs> that's amazing. You made it really deep. Well, that brings us to our very first community question this week. Did you find any spoilers or hints or Easter eggs in the new Star Trek Picard key art that we have not already discussed? Let us know in the comments section for this episode at the newly revamped PriorityOnePodcast.com or by replying to our social media posts for our community questions. So we may be getting a number one of sorts in the new Picard series, but will we ever get to see the proper next-gen cast join Sir Patrick? LeVar Burton thinks so. Appearing at the premiere of Disney's The Lion King, Burton, who played Chief Engineer Geordi LaForge, was asked by CNN about the likelihood of a TNG reunion on Star Trek Picard. Quote, Each of us, I would say certainly, right? It is unreasonable to assume that he doesn't know those people anymore or that he stopped talking to them. And if he did, there's good storytelling in why, end quote. But Burton also made clear that this wasn't Star Trek The Next Generation, it was Star Trek Picard. Quote, are you going to see all of us together again in a scene or an episode? I don't know. There's a lot of paper that needs to be papered before we get there, end quote. For a link to the interview, check out the show notes. All right, so right now, right off the bat, I'm almost teary-eyed thinking about it based on what Anthony said, right? This is the twilight. This is Picard's sunset, right? I'm thinking he dies at the end of the story. Ah! And all we see of the next generation is all of them together at his funeral. Like, that's the moment that we see all of them. That would be so sad. I'm, I'm making myself so sad. bring the room down. Dang. <laughs> uh, this reminds me a little bit of... You know, what you just said, Elijah, plus what what LeVar Burton has said is that there's a deleted scene in Star Trek Nemesis where Data and Picard are talking about the Chateau Picard, the wine. And then and that scene was never included in the movie. And then at the end of the movie, after Data's demise, the entire crew is sharing a glass of Chateau Picard. And so it makes me wonder, you know, like LeVar said, you know, why isn't he talking to the other members of the crew. And I think I think that's one of the reasons why, you know, every time a Star Trek The Next Generation cast member is asked, oh, are you going to be in the new show? They say, oh, well, they haven't reached out to me. And I think the reason right there is because this story isn't about them. It's about Picard. And maybe it's about why they're not there. And so, right. so this could be this could be pretty interesting. And I, you know, again, I just I, I want it now. I want it now. In a more lighthearted portion of this interview, Jordy talks about his somewhat pathetic romantic life that he endured in the series and he told the interviewer quote forget a wife and kids i'd settle with him having a date with somebody he didn't invent on the holodeck <laughs> if he could just have sex with a real person i'd be so happy end quote so good on him I, it's funny because i just watched a couple of episodes on tng where you know he, he got it was the one with aquiel yeah. uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. so close <laughs> So close. And then she's like, nah, I'm going to leave. Bye. See ya. <laughs> Poor guy. The Westmore family has made quite an impact on Star Trek. And it doesn't look like they're all done yet. 
On Saturday, July 13th, Mackenzie Westmore posted a time-lapsed video to her Instagram feed. The video shows the 42-year-old actress, best known for her work on the NBC soap opera Passions, getting a full headcast. Accompanying the post, Westmore said, quote, There's such a great story to go along with how all of this came about from beginning to end. But for now, here's a little peek at what I went through to transform into what Neville Page created. More of the story to come. I can't express enough how great it was to be part of the Star Trek family again with Patrick Stewart, even if it was just a moment. I've known him for 30 years. Thank you to all involved. End quote. Westmore, who has worked as an extra and guest star on Star Trek before, said later on on Twitter, quote, cats out of the bag, hashtag Star Trek Picard, end quote. For a link to the social media posts, head over to PriorityOnePodcast.com. Now, for those of you who may not be aware, Mackenzie Westmore is the daughter of famed Star Trek makeup artist and lead artist, Michael Westmore, who has won an Academy Award, an Emmy, Saturn, you name it. This man has created and been a creator for decades. And I actually had the pleasure of interviewing him, I think the first, the second year I was at Star Trek Las Vegas. She also co-hosted Face Off, the Sci-Fi Channel's makeup artist competition kind of thing, reality TV show for makeup artists, which was also really fun. One of which, if you guys remember several months ago, we reported one of the contestants created an Iconian from Star Trek Online, which was really cool and interesting. But for her to be in the seat and a part of it as some kind of creature for Star Trek Picard is really exciting. It's good to, to know that the Westmores are still very involved in Star Trek. I would also like to point out that two of the judges on Face Off were Neville Page and Glenn Hedrick. Right. Who are, yes. you know, creature design makeup artists on Star Trek Discovery. And more than likely, it seems, are working on Star Trek Picard as well. So, yeah, I th- this is a great sort of reunion all around. I think it's fantastic that, you know, the Westmore family has kept such close ties with Star Trek. I loved Face Off. I love, you know, whenever Michael would come on and sort of talk to the contestants and stuff, it was very cool. So, yeah, this is great. I can't wait to see what they come up with. And I, I hope she has more than one line because I think she had, uh, she played a, a Baku in uh, Star Trek Insurrection. And so, and I think she had one line that ended up on the cutting room floor. So, Hopefully she gets more than that. Prolific Star Trek author David Mack has some exciting news as well. Mack, the author of over 30 Star Trek novels, broke the news on Twitter saying, quote, Now it can be told, I am excited to be working as a consultant on two new Star Trek animated TV series, Lower Decks and another whose details remain classified. And that's all I can say about that. Hashtag dream job, end quote. Following a story that claimed Mac was in the writer's room, the 50-year-old author corrected on Twitter, quote, In case you see this story before it gets corrected, the headline and story are incorrect. I am not in the writer's room on either animated series. I am not providing writing services to either show. I am an outside consultant, and my services are strictly advisory in nature, end quote. For links to those social media tweets, check out our show notes. Well, Captains, that's all the news we have to trek out this week. Now let's find out what happened in the world of Star Trek gaming. Computer status report. Status. Incoming message. I'm only in the mood for good news today. Captains, before we move into Star Trek Online news, we have to take a moment to thank our sponsor. 
game print. If you are a Star Trek online player, then you know that one of the biggest draws to the game are the hundreds of ships available to play, ultimately creating a character in and of themselves. Now, what better way to celebrate that than to 3D print it and display it proudly with all your other amazing Star Trek memorabilia? Now, don't just take our word for it because we've had several listeners already take advantage of our 20% discount. For instance, Joey on Facebook just received his USS Excalibur and he wrote, quote, this is a one of a kind 3D printed ship, the USS Excalibur. This is my ship in Star Trek Online. Thank you to Priority One for the push to get my own personal one-of-a-kind ship. And our friend Lawrence over at Geek Life Rules shared pictures of his Defiant and said, quote, Thanks to the guys of Priority One and Game Print. The first of my jazz fleet has finally arrived. My flagship, the USS Duke Ellington. Up next, Enterprise Class, USS Lady Day. I'm really happy with how it came out. But you don't need to play Star Trek Online to print a unique starship. Whether Romulan, Andorian, Vulcan, or Klingon, you can explore an immense library of ships that players have already uploaded to GamePrint.net. Best of all, you can rename that ship to whatever you want, with whatever registry number you decide on. With options starting at just $19.99 for a 4-inch color print and the reintroduction of their hand-painted models, there's no reason why you shouldn't just add a unique starship to your collection, customized just for you. As we mentioned before, when you use code PRIORITY20 at checkout, you'll save 20% on your order. So don't let deciding on which ship hold you back from 3D printing a new fleet of ships for you to display proudly in your home, your office, or wherever you showcase your Star Trek memorabilia. Remember, that's code PRIORITY20 at checkout to save 20% off of your very own customized Starship. Just visit their newly designed website, GamePrint.net, browse through their library, or upload your very own ship from within the ship tailor in Star Trek Online. Star Trek Online offers the most robust virtual Trek experience any Trekkie could want. Captain your very own starship, interact with your favorite Trek characters, or become an award-winning Tribble Breeder. For the last nine years, captains in Star Trek Online have spent years breeding just the right Tribble to accompany them on their away missions. Now, thanks to a new partnership with TribbleToys.com, you can bring home your favorite Tribble breed in real life. That's right. Available breeds include the Gamma Quadrant Tribble, the Radon Tribble, the Triolic Tribble, the Winter Tribble, and the Black Alert Tribble. Wait a minute. What's a Black Alert Tribble? Well, when you order one of these cuddly shipmates, you'll receive an in-game code for a Black Alert Tribble, which, when you pet it, will give you an extra 2% run speed and an extra 3% maximum health. Leaving the Black Alert Tribble alone with the new sautéed shiitake food item from the Lobi store will create the new Mycelium Tribble. Petting this little guy will give you a 3% run boost and 5% extra maximum health. The Black Alert Tribble code is only available for PC, so check out the show notes for a link. So they have several options. Some of them are a little expensive. Some of them are reasonably priced. For instance, you can get an autographed Black Alert Tribble autographed by Rekha Sharma for $74, and it comes with a carrying case. And then the regular Black Alert Tribble without Rekha Sharma's signature is just $35. Then... Borg Tribble, which is probably the one that I would get, 
is really expensive, man. That is $99. So maybe I won't get uh, It's $124 with the certificate because those are, quote, hand assimilated, end quote, by Star Trek, the next generation visual effects artist, Roger Sides. Huh, interesting, interesting. And he, by the way, he built the Borg Cube for Star Trek The Next Generation. Fascinating. Well, you know what? Maybe I'll just settle for a hairless Tribble, which is essentially a rock that they picked up and then did some splatter art on it. I think these are really cool. I really want the Winter Tribble, uh, and I'll probably get uh, the Black Alert Tribble, too, because uh, they, they look pretty cool. And the code, the in-game code for the Black Alert Tribble uh, is is actually printed on the tag attached to the Tribble. Oh, that's kind of cool. I kind of want this Black Alert Tribble. I might check this out. I will take a look at them at Vegas. They usually have a booth there, so I'll be, I'll, you know, maybe maybe they'll have a special or a sale or something, and who knows. And that brings us to another community question this week. Do you plan on purchasing any of these Stowe Tribbles? If so, which one? For the first time, the Zen store is getting a bundle with ships from four different factions. The Temporal Warship Bundle, which is already available in the Zen store, will include starships from the Federation, Klingon Empire, Romulan Republic, and Jem'Hadar Vanguard Fleet. Also, any captain can pilot the Jem'Hadar or Romulan ships right out of the box. No tier six ship mastery required. Each of these ships come with the same console, but will change the passive boosts depending on the faction. The starship trait is also the same, but both the name and energy type boost will change depending on your faction. These ships all have a commander rank, temporal operative bridge officer seat, and are considered temporal operative specialized. So they will have the molecular reconstruction abilities. For a full list of stats and details, check out the show notes. This is kind of a big deal that non-Romulan and non-Jem'Hadar characters can fly these ships right out of the gate. They've only done this once, I believe, with the uh, Gamma Pack Jem'Hadar ships, where once you reached tier six in the ship mastery, anybody on your account could fly them. But with these, especially with the Romulan Warbird that they have in this pack, you can just jump right in it and go. Yeah, that's pretty amazing. I mean... I'd never thought that they would let us fly other faction ships, like Romulan ships, if I was on a different character or a different faction, but hey, I'm going to do it. <laughs> I like the design of the Jem'Hadar Temporal Vanguard ship, that tier six ship. I, I, I think of the designs, that one is my favorite. I like the Romulan ship. One thing to note also is that all of these ships will have a fleet counterpart available if your fleet has the appropriate level. In this week's PC patch notes, Jem'Hadar Gamma Reputation Armor is now available to outfit on your bridge officers. And I wanted to point out a couple of known issues. Firing arcs are currently not displaying when hovering over weapon icons. And Jem'Hadar consoles do not work with the new Jem'Hadar Temporal Warship. For a link to the full list of patch notes, check out the show notes. And now for upcoming events on PC... Captains will gain bonus marks this weekend. From now until Monday, July 22nd, earn 50% more reputation marks. PC captains can also save 20% off ships in the Zen store, including fleet modules, dry dock slots, and ship upgrade tokens. The sale lasts until Monday, July 22nd. Console captains can take advantage of a double XP weekend. From now until Monday, July 22nd, captains on Xbox and PlayStation can earn 100% more skill points and expertise in the game. And now it's time for our weekly top tip. 
In an effort to lend a hand to new players or even surprise the most veteran captains in Star Trek Online, here's our weekly top tip. Before the summer event ends, I wanted to draw attention to a few items that, if you don't have or know about, can be really helpful. If you don't have at least a very rare floater and power board, you're just doing rice or wrong. Not only will they help you grind out more Lola Knot favors, but it's just plain fun to zoom around in the island in style. And on the plus side, you can also use the power board on your fleet's colony world. Do you need an ultraware power board? They can really make you fast in the races, but unless you're an expert power boarder, I find the speed of the ultra rare makes me lose more races than win. But your mileage may vary. Don't forget that there's a new baseball-themed triple this year. Rumor has it feeding a triple a stadium soft drink or a jipper will create a grand slam triple. But I wouldn't hit it with a baseball bat, but petting it will give you a 2.5% run speed boost and a 5% melee attack damage boost. The last item I wanted to mention is the kit module Graviton Spike. This tactical kit module is a staple in many tactical ground builds. When activated, your next weapon attack for 20 seconds triggers additional kinetic damage with 50% shield penetration, knockbacks enemies towards the center of the area of effect, and slows enemies by 50% for 5 seconds. Even if you're not a tactical officer, check out the other kit modules available in the Summer Event Store. You may be surprised to find something useful. Also, once you have access to the Summer Event Store by completing the Welcome Project when you first get to Ryza, you will always have access to the Summer Event Store and the Events Reputation tab. In the newest tabletop offering from WizKids Games, Star Trek Conflict in the Neutral Zone, players will send their ships into the Neutral Zone to collect dilithium, grow their fleet of starships, and earn command points to win the game. Unlike most other Star Trek board games, this is also a dexterity game. In Star Trek Conflict, you literally flick your wooden starship tokens across the board, trying to either land on a planet to collect resources, or trying to knock your opponent's ship's tokens off the board to gain command points. Each player starts with either a fleet of four Federation ships or four Klingon ships, during the game, you can spend your hard-earned dilithium crystals to acquire new starships. You don't even need to stick to one faction, though. You can purchase any of the four ships available. Klingon, Federation, or even non-aligned ships like Romulans or even Species 8472. The more ships you have, the more flicking you can do. But be aware of asteroid blocks that opponents might place to protect their ships. In a two- or four-player game, the board will have one large planet in the center that gives command points, and two smaller planets that will give dilithium crystals. The three-player side has the large planet in the center, but has three dilithium planets. If you have any collector ships resting on the planets at the start of your turn, you will gain one of the appropriate items. Once a player accumulates ten command points, each other player takes a final turn and the player with the most points wins. The game is a nice departure from the more thinking strategy games that normally have the Star Trek theme applied to them. Instead of trying to negotiate treaties or roll dice to attack ships, you're literally flicking your ships to attack other ships. There is something giddy and fun about the physicality of sending your starship sailing across the table into the neutral zone, bashing into other ships, and usually flying off the other side of the board. While the game itself is fun, especially for kids, as my six-year-old quickly became a flicking expert, Star Trek fans will immediately find the cracks in their immersion. 
First off, they advertise the Enterprise D on the box, but the only Enterprise ship disc is the Enterprise E. You'll find your other favorite Federation starships like the Defiant and Voyager, which makes you think the time setting for this game is the late 24th century. Circa Insurrection or Nemesis. But then they also include ships like the Reliant and Kronos One. The other theme-breaking thing is that you don't need to stick to one faction. You start with either an All-Federation or Klingon fleet, but you can purchase any available ship to add to your armada. So unless you want to sacrifice strategy for theme, you're probably going to have to have an allied fleet. And it's hard to immerse yourself in a situation where you're knocking out your opponent's Federation ship with your own while your Undine bio ship is collecting command points for the win. The game is solid fun, and if you can get past these seemingly minor cannon flaws, you should definitely head to your friendly local game store and pick up a copy. Star Trek Conflict in the Neutral Zone is for 2-4 to four players, suggested age range of 14 and up, and plays in about 30-50 to 50 minutes depending on the number of players. Security clearance level 3 or above is required to access files. This is Captain Benjamin Sisko. Authorization Sisko Alpha 1 Alpha. Logs accessed. Captains, joining us on this episode of Priority One is Star Trek Online's Community Manager, Ambassador Kell. Mike, thank you so very much for joining me on this episode. Hey, thanks for having me. It's always a pleasure to be on Priority One. So we wanted to talk a little bit about Star Trek Las Vegas because it's less than two weeks away. And there's... Oh, God. A, oh, God. Oh, God. Oh, God. I mean, yes, yes, two weeks. Exactly. That's exactly how I feel. All right. So up first is the... And we're going a little bit out of order here because of the scheduling, but... The first thing we want to talk about is the Star Trek Online meet and greet happening on Sunday at Quark's Bar. Why don't you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, we're really excited. This is the first year um, we're actually doing our usual meet and greet uh, inside the convention. Um, usually it's been uh, at, a, at a bar at the Rio uh, on, the, on the outside. But this year we're actually taking over Quark's Bar uh, at noon on Sunday. It's going to be great. We're all going to be hanging out. Uh, we will be able to chat with you about any questions you have about Star Trek Online or anything else in general. And we're going to have some really cool uh, special prizes to be giving out at the event as well. Um, there's going to be some uh, special iron-on badges. If you remember the one we gave out last year it's going to be a new design so you can continue your star trek online patch collection uh and we'll be giving away as we just announced this morning uh two stlv exclusive bridge officers uh that would be holographic Lorca and holographic landry um so that'll be uh the place to get those super exciting um and it's gonna be cool because um obviously uh we haven't talked about what else we'll be doing at the show but if you come to the meet and greet on Sunday, we may just be able to take you directly from the meet and greet to what else we'll be doing at the show. <laughs> <laughs> this is the best way I can say that right now. Yes, you're going to want to go to the meet and greet and then follow along because it's going to be a jam-packed day for sure. That's awesome. A, a patch and some, some bridge officers. That's really exciting. Yeah, super, super cool. I'm really excited. It, it's been really exciting, too, to have um, such huge huge stars as Jason Isaacs and uh, Rekha Sharma in the game this year. And it's going to be great for you guys to be able to go on adventures with them, too. Now, this year's a little different for you guys, right? Uh, you will not have a booth at the convention? That's correct. We're only doing uh, panel appearances this year. There was a lot of reasons why. But uh, the good news is we still are appearing in a lot of different panels. And uh, there'll be a couple of different times uh, to find us and meet us um, and 
you know, get the usual bridge officers and things like that if you're a fan of Star Trek Online. And one of those times that you can chat with the devs and hang out is on Friday, August 2nd at 12 p.m. over at the Roddenberry Entertainment Island, the giant Roddenberry monolith. Uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about that? It's the cube. <laughs> well, this is super exciting. Um, I, we we have an opportunity to do something we've never done before. Uh, usually, we do um, sit down interviews with Priority One uh, during the convention. You know, whatever time we can squeeze in and get away from the booth. Um, but this is the first time we've said we're going to do live interviews with Priority One uh, that you can actually come to the booth and watch. And while you're watching said live interviews, uh, you'll be able to meet the other developers who aren't currently being uh, grilled by uh, Elijah. Uh, you'll be able to take to, to get those bridge officer codes we talked about. Uh, and you can even win one of the new um, uh, Tribble Toys, plush Tribbles that we've been uh, working with Tribble Toys to create, which, of course, come with the uh, uh, in-game code for the um, Black Alert Tribble, which is super exciting. Um, but the most exciting part about this is that it's not just us showing up for interviews. Um, fresh offs maybe some other appearances uh, with Star Trek Online. Um, or actually before, I think. But anyway, um, our good friend Rekha Sharma, uh, Commander Landry, who was just in the game, uh, will be coming for an interview as well. And so you'll be able to uh, see Elijah interview her and, uh, I don't know, um, win surprises, watch all that stuff happen, chat with us. It's going to be a really fun afternoon. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. You know, we're really, we really want to hype this up so that uh, players who are attending the convention can crowd around as we're doing the interview. We may even uh, live stream a little bit of it. What do you think about that, Mike? Oh, that'd be dope. I'd love that. Um, you know, uh, we'll just uh, we'll just pack the hallway, uh, create a fire hazard. It'll be great. <laughs> <laughs> well, we are really excited for what's coming up at STLV this year, and I know that there's still plenty to announce, but is yeah, there's more coming, and there's uh, there's some uh, without saying too much that I can't say right now. One of the STLV is always one of the big times of the year that we talk about upcoming content, uh, and there's a lot to talk about, um, and we're very excited to. Uh, Throw some of that stuff you guys' way. That's really exciting. That's really, and I'm really looking forward to those uh, those bridge officers. I know those are coveted items in Star Trek Online. And of course, we are so thrilled and excited to team up with you and have the opportunity of interviewing uh, Reika Sharma at the convention, at the booth. It's going to be a blast. This year is going to be just as exciting as years past. Yeah, convention interviews... Um are just always my favorite. Like, you know, you can do an interview with a phone and something like that, but being there in person, surrounded by the fans, like looking at all the cool Star Trek and just kind of drinking that all in, it's it's just such an interesting and unique experience. I completely agree. Well, I'm really looking forward to seeing you there. I'm looking forward to all the future announcements that are coming down the pike in the next couple of weeks regarding other events happening at Star Trek Las Vegas related to Star Trek Online. Uh, and I know that players and attendees alike will be excited to hear all about it. We're super excited to show it to you guys. I, I can't wait for Star Trek Las Vegas. Well, Mike, thanks for stopping by, and we'll talk to you again shortly. Thanks for having me. It's been a lot of fun. That's it for Star Trek Gaming News. Now, let's review an astrometrics report from Dr. Robert Hurt. Space. Astronomy, quantum mechanics. It's not theoretical, it's not hypothetical, it's real. Education. Astrometrics. The final frontier. This week's Astrometrics Report is all about exoplanets. It turns out in June, we passed a very significant if admittedly somewhat arbitrary threshold in exoplanet science. As of the end of the month, the catalog of known exoplanets orbiting other stars passed the 4,000 mark. 
Now, over half of those discoveries were made by Kepler studying one small patch of sky, but we can expect that number to increase dramatically over the coming years with the new TESS mission mapping exoplanets across the entire sky. Now I do want to dive into the science of one particular result, but for context, let's first take a step back and look at planets within our own solar system. Now they basically fall into three categories. The smallest ones are the terrestrial planets, like Earth which are basically rocky with varying amounts of atmosphere around them. The very largest planets are the gas giants, Jupiter and Saturn, which are composed primarily of hydrogen and helium. And between these in size, but furthest out in the solar system, are the so-called ice giants, Uranus and Neptune. Now they are primarily hydrogen and helium, but they also have significant components of what we call ices, things like water and methane and ammonia in their atmospheres. Their interiors have ices in a solid form in addition to rock. Let's keep these properties in mind as we look at recent science results published about a planet known as Gliese 3470b. Now this planet is about 12.6 times as massive as the Earth, which puts it in at around 75% the mass of Neptune, so maybe a smaller version of Neptune. One might expect its properties would be similar to the ice giants like Neptune. However, scientists studying it with the Hubble and Spitzer Space Telescopes got an interesting surprise. By carefully studying the amount of light that passes through that planet's atmosphere as it transits in front of its star at wavelengths ranging from the visible to the infrared part of the spectrum, they were actually able to measure the chemical properties of the outer atmosphere of this planet. Now this is really an amazing result because it is the first time we've been able to determine the chemical fingerprints in the atmosphere of a planet like this. And the results are surprising. Even though it's Neptune sized, its atmosphere seems to look a lot more like the gas giant atmospheres of Jupiter and Saturn. Now the other interesting thing about the planet is that it orbits very closely to its star, completing an orbit in just over three days. That makes it far hotter than anything known in our own solar system, and you might dub it a hot Neptune, similar to the hot Jupiters we found around other stars. But finding a Neptune-sized world with the chemistry matching gas giants was quite a surprise, and it's led astronomers to think a lot about how such a planet might have formed. One theory is that it may have formed as a rocky planet very close to its star while its star was still in the process of gathering up hydrogen and helium from the surrounding material. As such, it might have pulled in a much more pristine version of the gases found building up other stars, making it look a lot more like Jupiter than the ice giants Neptune and Uranus. This result was made possible by using a spread of light across the infrared and visible light spectrum from the Spitzer and Hubble telescopes, but it's a technique that will be used by future space missions as well to characterize the atmospheres of many other exoplanets, perhaps someday even one like the Earth. Now, if you're a little impatient and would like to jump ahead and get an idea of what it might be like to explore a planet around another star sometime in the future, I encourage you to check out a new episode of The Habitable Zone. This is a series I've had the pleasure of writing and directing, working with Cass Anvar and Kara Gee from The Expanse. Our second episode, The Scorched Earth Enigma, just dropped, and it's available to screen on YouTube or on our website, universeunplugged.org. And if you like it, make sure to give us a thumbs up and maybe leave a nice comment. That wraps it up for this week's Astrometrics Report. Let's open Healing Frequencies and see what's incoming. Message coming in, sir. Healing Frequencies. Open. See, we are getting to know each other.
Well, Captains, hailing frequencies are now open, and we're ready to receive all of your incoming messages. Our first community question for episode 421 was, how, if at all, did the Grand Nagus affect your opinion of the Ferengi? From PriorityOnePodcast.com, Tyler Maxwell writes, Not him specifically, but DS9 in general made the Ferengi more fun and endearing. As opposed to the one-dimensional, whiplashing, greedy wannabe thugs and creeps that they were in the introduction in TNG. Grand Nagus, Quark, Rom, Nog, Moogie, and the rest of the lobed troop in DS9 took one of the worst concepts for a species in Star Trek and turned them into probably one of the most level. Episode 421's second community question was, Would you like to see random TFOs split into space and ground in all selections with tiered incentives? Lars over on Twitter said, I don't want to see random TFOs split that way, but I would like to be able to favorite one or two TFOs so that the chance you'd get those is bigger than those that are not favorited. From Facebook, Robert Berg writes, I'm with Anthony. I think that dividing the random TFOs into space only and ground only undermines the purpose of random TFOs. You're just allowing players to segment themselves, and I think that would be detrimental. I have an alternate suggestion. Allow players to have two builds, one for ground and one for space. I said that. (laughs) I think that the biggest problem, though, is that, and we mentioned this to Al, was the ability to swap your specializations. And if they, I think if they just were able to do something about that, like like maybe you can pick it out of combat, you can swap them. I, I think that that would alleviate a, a lot of um, a lot of what the frustration that people are having. Agreed. From PriorityOnePodcast.com, Sean Newboy says, I would just like to block out certain specific TFOs. I don't mind ground, but several TFOs annoy me. What would make me less apprehensive to do random would be a prize revamp of all the TFOs. The longer slash harder it is, even on the same difficulty, the more you get for doing it. So, you know, I think that the concern is that people aren't going to play ground. And I think that that's the problem. There's obviously a preference, right? And so people who like to play ground are very defensive over the concept of not being able to play ground. And I I totally get it. So, but again, I'm not saying that we should only and strictly select random for space, select random for ground, and then select random for all, and that the rewards are the same across the board. The random for all should be a much more handsome reward than just space or ground. You know, I think that it, it would, you would still incentivize people to play random and queue up for either one and also cater to players who want to log in, do a random, get some rewards for it. And yeah, they're not they're you know, they're a quarter of the rewards or half of the rewards that you would get for random all. Um, yeah, I think that that I don't think that that is going to be as detrimental as people think, especially when the rewards are not as handsome. I think it's a little bit of an evolutionary thing, too, is that, you know, you know, we've been able to to filter, you know, ground versus space, and we've never gotten a reward for for doing that. And so now, like introducing a reward for something that we've never really been rewarded for, I don't know. I don't know if that makes sense and if people would really understand why that's happening. Well, that wraps up episode 422 of Priority One, a Roddenberry Star Trek podcast. For more great podcasts like Mission Log, Women at Warp, The Trek Files, and daily Star Trek news, visit podcast.roddenberry.com. 
Before we go, here are our community questions for this week. Did you find any spoilers or hints or Easter eggs in the Star Trek Picard key art that we didn't already mention? Do you plan on purchasing a Stow Tribble? If so, which one? Captains, you know we love hearing from you. Leave us a comment on our website at paradeonpodcast.com, on our Facebook page at facebook.com forward slash podcast or find us on Twitter and Instagram at PriorityOnePod. Don't miss a thing from the Star Trek multiverse. Catch our episodes every Friday by pointing your favorite podcast app to feeds.priorityonepodcast.com or just do a search for Roddenberry for a list of all the Roddenberry podcast shows. You can even join in on the fun while we record our episode live on Tuesday nights at around 8 p.m. Eastern on Facebook, Twitch, YouTube, and Twitter. Keep an eye on our social media channels for details. And if you're still craving more, be sure to spend time with Admiral Winters and me and the Priority One Armada. Saturday nights, the Armada broadcasts live to review the latest Star Trek online and Armada news, as well as spotlight some of the amazing members in our community. Each week, we team up with you, the viewers, to earn things like reputation marks and dilithium. With regular giveaways, there's something for all STO players, new and old. Follow us on all our social media accounts for broadcast times, and if you'd like to join the Armada, visit PriorityOneArmada.com. Captains, before we wrap up this show, we do want to make you aware of a few events happening this weekend at San Diego Comic-Con. For starters, Roddenberry Entertainment has several panels planned. Enter the Star Trek universe on Saturday at 11.30 a.m. at Hall H. Later that day at 4 p.m., Star Trek Podcasters Audience Sound Off Show is Utopian Trek Passe. That's happening at the Neil Morgan Auditorium at the San Diego Central Library. And on Sunday, July 21st, Robert Butler, director of The Cage, will be interviewed at 12 p.m., in room 29AB. Also, don't forget to catch Dr. Robert Hurt for his panel titled Alien Worlds, NASA's Search for Life, happening on Friday at 4.30 p.m. This episode of Party One Podcast is brought to you by our patrons through patreon.com. Find out more and add your support at patreon.com forward slash priority one. Even if you can't make a financial contribution, please help spread the word about the show and invite your fellow Trekkies. It's your support that keeps us going. Don't forget to tune in to Priority One Productions' Guard Frequency podcast at guardfrequency.com. Each episode, the Guard will take you inside the universe of your favorite space sims, including a tabletop adventure played out by your hosts. And Heroes Rise brings you up to date with the world of Dungeons & Dragons. Learn all about the latest publications, tools, tips, tricks, and traps in less time than it takes to skin a wyvern. Head over to heroesrisepodcast.com to discover their secrets. Thanks to our audio editors, including William Hardy, Brandon Parker, Rand Hurl, Daniel Stevens, and Skiffy. Thanks to our producer, Jake Morgan, for assisting in the production of our weekly show. To community manager, Shane Hoover. To graphic artist, Henry Pomper, with support from Jason Smith of the Priority One Armada. Thanks to the composer of our theme music, Chris Watts. Thanks to our syndication partners, Subspace Radio and Trek Radio. But most importantly, a big thanks to you, the Star Trek community, our listeners. Because without your ongoing support, none of this would be possible. Enemy ship on sensors. Red alert. Sue, no. Engage.
Transfer complete. We mentioned before, when you use code PRIORITY20 at checkout, you'll save 20%. Oh. Sorry. You picked... Thought I had it muted. I was going to yell at her. I'm muting now. Well, that wraps up up. Psych. Just kidding. JK. Well, JK, sorry. Podcast.roddenberry.com The Roddenberry Podcast Network